Hi felters and welcome and welcome to anyone who doesn't know about felting and has never tried it before and you're keen to learn a little bit more. My name is Philippa from the Needle Felting Addict and the YouTube channel Felts by Philippa. Today we are going to talk about what is felting. Let's get started. <laughs> So I've started this podcast and I kind of thought, great, I've done my introduction, done who I am, what I want to do, and I'll go straight into wool and needles and things like that. But no, we haven't really discussed what is felting. Um, and people, you don't really know. And I started felting from a kit off Amazon. I saw it, ordered it, loved it. The kit, the wool wasn't brilliant, but I went for it. And then I started to learn about other types of things you can do with wet felting and the dry felting. And I didn't really understand it all. So let me just run you through it really, really quickly. So there are two types of felting. There's wet felting and there's dry felting. And the dry felting is more commonly called needle felting because you use a needle. With wet felting, you use water and the wool and you agitate it and you move it about and it all firms up. Now, this wet felting has been around for years and it creates felt. So we all know what felt looks like, but years, I mean, thousands of years it's been around. It's been used for clothes, for yurts, for tents, for blankets. Um, it's easy been easy even been used to line people's shoes and they'd put the wool in and the process, it's not very nice, the process of sweating and walking would felt the wool on the inside of the shoe. So it would give you a nice soft inside to your shoes and help with blisters. So it has been around for a long, long time. Uh, now dry felting or needle felting, that hasn't been around that long. Let me just explain what that is. You take a barbed needle, which is a special needle. You cannot use a sewing needle. I get that question all the time. Um, a needle felting needle has notches on it. And you take wool from a sheep. So the fleece is sheared naturally off sheep uh, once, well, sometimes twice a year, depending on the breed. And it doesn't hurt them. It's obviously a little bit uncomfortable, probably. But unfortunately, the sheep we have these days, they don't lose their fleece. So the fleece has to be taken off for health reasons. Um, so you take wool from the sheep and this uh, wool has been washed, carded um, and or combed out. But it's not spun into the yarn or the knitting wool that we know. So because I was sat there thinking, well, what what stage is the wool at? So it's that stage before it's spun. And that is called felting wool, and it comes in bats, in slithers. We're going to do a whole chat on wool because there's different names in different countries. So it gets a little bit confusing, but I'm going to make it easy for you. And you take that wool, normally you roll it up quite tightly, um, and then you start stabbing with the needle. And you stab away repeatedly, and it's, it's fantastic. But anyway, dry felting is what I do. Um, it's fantastic. It's meditative. It's repetitive. There's no counting rows. There's no worrying about dropping a stitch because I have tried um, knitting. I've tried crochet and crochet was fab until it got to the point where you wanted to go around corners and make shapes. Um, basically, needle felting is sculpting with wool. And within dry felting or needle felting, you can do flat pieces, uh, which can be a picture or you can uh, put it on a bag or a purse, things like that, or 3D sculptures, and I do 3D sculptures. So as you stab the wool, it 
it forms together and it becomes a structure and it gets firmer and firmer the more you stab it. You can overstab something, it's quite hard work though. Um, it can take 30 minutes to lightly felt some wool, say you're doing a little ball. So it would be a little bit squishy, um, up to weeks for a, a sort of a big felt that you want it to be really firm. And people can, you can make it as firm as a tennis ball if you want to. When you needle felt something, um, if you roll it up tightly in the first place, it will kind of get about a third smaller by the time you finish stabbing it. And the beauty is you can add more wool and sculpt your piece. It's like clay with no mess. Um, wet felting has a long history. Dry felting, not so. Uh, most needle felting was done on machines in about the 1800s and they had hundreds of needles and they produced sort of flat fabrics like carpet underlays, car linings, things like that. I've even read that the outside of a tennis ball is a felted material, which is something I never thought about. But 3D sculpture developed fairly recently, um, and as recent as the 1980s. There were a couple of artists, David and Eleanor Stanwood, and they were working with some people that had some mills with lots of the needles. And I think Eleanor took home a couple of the needles individually and started using them. And then it spread to a couple more artists who were trying it out and developing it. And it caught on in Scandinavia first with all of a sudden the spread of loads of trolls and fairies. Um, and that's what sort of took it off. And like I say, only recently, the 1980s, it's quite something I thought it was a lot older than that. So I was a bit shocked by that. Um, and then it spread across to Europe and it's across, it's in America and Japan and it's, it's really spreading now. I meet a lot of people that do know about it, but I still meet an awful lot of people that don't know about it. So that's good because I think it's just going to get more and more popular. It's relatively inexpensive to start and to try out. There are three things you need. Um, I have a video on starting for £13. You literally need, well, you don't even need a mat to be fair, but a mat, wool and good needles. You don't need to be artistic. I am not artistic. If you simply follow someone else's pattern and the measurements and the sizes, you can do it. Um, you really don't need to be amazingly artistic. It's a very tactile thing to work with wool. It, it's really lovely. It's biodegradable. It's a fantastic way to use sheep fleece. And there are so many different types of wools from hundreds of different breeds. Um, it has, most of it doesn't, but sometimes the wool does have a, a little bit of a smell to it. But it's a lovely smell. Quite a lot of people really enjoy it. The wool... Um, is washed but it can still contain levels of lanonin in it which is the grease that keeps the sheep waterproof as far as I believe and that's really good for your skin a lot of people say their hands are really soft after felting if you are vegan or allergic to wool there's lots of various plant fibers like bamboo and other ones and there's some artificial fibers as well synthetic ones and there are also some biodegradable synthetic ones now too so don't let that stop you in any way. It's great for focusing the mind. Um, it's astonishing how many people have contacted me and said how good it's been, especially if you've got a condition that affects your ability to concentrate. 
felting can just get you into the zone. It's also good for anxiety, depression, just taking your mind away. Like that is similar to knitting and crocheting, but you just don't have to think at all with needle felting. You, you just do. And yes, you can stab yourself. Let's just cover this. <laughs> um, it doesn't hurt loads if you're stabbing lightly. Stabbing um, is not a using a big hammer, stab, stab, stab. It's a light sort of gentle tapping. And if you're doing it like that, you're not going to hurt yourself too much. Occasionally you can draw blood. I probably stab myself once every two months now, but in the beginning you just wear finger guards and then you get a feel for it and quite often you take the finger guards off quite soon because you can't feel the wool so well. But you can protect yourself in the beginning if you're worried about hurting yourself. You can fix mistakes easily. It's so forgiving. You add more wool if it doesn't look right and you can literally pull wool off if you haven't felted it that much or you can actually cut. I mean, I have cut a cow's head off and made its neck shorter and reattached it. It's easy. Um, it's so forgiving from that point of view. But I really strongly believe you have to practice. And it's the same with everything. You just have to practice. But I always felt I improved with every single felt. So I might in the beginning have completed a felt and thought, not happy with that. But the next one I did, I had improved and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And it's all about learning the skills of how to get a smooth finish, how to attach limbs, all how to do the little details. You just get better and better the more you do. So can you imagine looking at a creation of a hair that someone's needle felted, 3D sculpture, and not knowing if it's real or not? And this does happen, not always with my stuff, but people do actually think it's taxidermy quite often. So that's needle felting. If you've got any questions, um, probably pop over to my YouTube channel and stick them on there. I hope that's answered what it is in a basic sense and form. So what we're going to be talking about is 3D sculpture needle felting in the future. And I'm going to go through the walls, the mats, the tools, the needles, um, I'm also going to be talking about my business as well. The next one I'm going to do is going to be how my month has been and just cover it in a podcast. And then I've got an interview coming up soon. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you or hear from you next time. Take care, everybody.